ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Duck and the Usher, a movie podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I am Fish, sitting and here with uh, my uh, my counterpart here. Counterpart, Josh. I, I guess, I don't know, I learned that word from C-3PO. And this is my counterpart. <laughs> and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Uh, this is our um, Christmas episode. Yeah, and, ho, uh, ho, ho, you quacks. Yeah, all of our little quackers out there, welcome back. Um, Josh, how have you been? You've had a good week? Uh, yeah, just busy. Always sound okay. Feel like I think I'm, you sound good. Sound good. All right, a little raspy today. Doing yeah, good. I'm drinking some tea myself. Like I've had a persistent cough. This uh, it's uh, the, the weather. The been, weather here has been just up yeah. and down, and it's insane. Uh, I watched. I went on a little bit of a Star Wars kick. Yeah, decided to rewatch. Trying to gear like, up for the release. Yeah, so I rewatched Last Jedi and then decided to watch Rogue One. I think Rogue One I is loved Rogue One. I think Rogue One is probably the best thing that's come out. As far as a Star Wars story, since um, since it, since like Return think, of the Jedi, I think it's yeah, I think it's better than than the Last Jedi. I think it's I think it, it's just a great it's a it's a it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it, it really definitely feels it's got the old nostalgic feels. Last Jedi, Last Jedi is just it's too like oh, just fucking okay. I want this Skywalker shit to be over with. I'm I, so done with. I it. mean, I do too, but I also I I think I'm I'm in the camp of those who loved the Last Jedi. No, I, I, it's good. I'm just tired of the story. I just want it to end. I mean, I do too, but also I, I, I think that Luke Skywalker's being in it is the only reason it's like so part of that whole main saga. And mm-hmm. of course, Kylo Ren is from of the same family. Uh, but I like Rey because she's this unassuming you know, person who comes up and becomes a hero uh, in her own right. And I know a lot of like fanboys out there like call her a Mary Sue. And she is a bit of a Mary Sue, but I don't think that's fair when you consider well what one could speculate is her lineage yeah uh even though that was like kind of shot down much to a bunch of fanboys disappointment and i think that's why everybody hated well, I, th- I think we're gonna find that out i think i think the next one's gonna yeah i think they tried to like it, retcon it, some yeah. of the plot points that ryan johnson like shot down and that's why everyone hated it because it, all it did was subvert their expectations and so now they don't like the movie they can't let it be subjective on its own merit i mean and that's just art but anyway i digress do you watch anything yeah man i watched um well, I finished up uh, Watchmen, uh, which I can't I can't say enough about. It's such a wonderful show. Um, I, I watched the new Mandalorian, the new Rick and Morty. I even caught the uh, the I missed it upon its release, but I watched a Child's Play, the remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, it's it actually kind of good. You know, I I uh, I think a lot of people like with most remakes and reboots and rehashes and sequels and readaptations, everyone's getting you know fatigued by. All of that. Well, it's a completely fresh new story. Isn't yeah, it? yeah it's it, it, I think it, it's a real inventive take on the story without it being like a supernatural force. It's a it's a it's a programming AI that goes haywire, uh, and they do a little bit more with the the doll and its connection to like tech, uh, which which makes it you know a little more frightening rather than it being like a person who yeah, like the is trapped in a doll soul thing. 
Yeah, uh, but there are a couple of things I got my eyes on. I think, uh, you know, Kumail Nanjiani done broke the internet with his... Uh, being all buff and being shit. Being all buff, so I'm going to have to go check out Silicon Valley. I'm kind of late to the party on that. Yeah, I watched... Uh, I, I know there's a new season, but I, I, again, I got rid of my HBO. It's just getting too expensive. Right. Uh, I kind of want to just start jumping into this. This is going to be a pretty heavy, yeah. kind of heavy episode. Uh, the year 1984. I'm just going to talk about some movies that were released that year. Okay. Um, Ghostbusters, Terminator, Footloose, NeverEnding Story... Police Academy, All right. Temple of Doom, Splash, Revenge of the Nerds, Terminator. Really good year. David Lynch's Dune. David, <laughs> I was looking that up, and I'm like, son of a bitch. 1984, damn you. Yeah. We're actually one year away um, upon this recording. We're one year away from the release of Dune. Nice. 2020, so I'm ready for that. Uh, and today, we're talking about the Gremlins. Gremlins, 1984. This actually was released the same weekend as Ghostbusters. Indeed, um, and it only—I think it did like a million dollars less than uh, Ghostbusters made. What was the budget on this? Uh, bad budget's boy? eleven million, but this movie made one hundred and fifty-three million dollars. So uh, by this, and large, pretty. This successful. is a massive success, but yeah. we're doing this because it does fall under the the cult. Oh, heavily, heavily. This is a uh, definitely a cult thing. Are you having problems there? I am. Can we open it for yeah, you? Please. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to open some eye drops because my ojo. Are... It's like a safety lock. You gotta like push <laughs> oh, down. And I'm a child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, 7.3 have... out of 10 on IMDb, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, that is certified freshy fresh, and a 70% meta score. And um, I know that as we walk through the storyline, Fish is going to be popping in with a bunch of... Uh, Ooh, I'll be peppering. Yeah, peppering all over the place, a little salt. I'll be a little okay? salt bay. Yeah, I mean, they can't see my eyes, so let me blink in confusion for a moment. <laughs> yeah, so the, the eye drops I use, they're called Roto, if anybody's ever used them. They kind of burn a little bit when you put them in, but... <sighs> they're wonderful. They're, yeah, they're, they're great, especially if you have allergies or anything. So, uh, yeah, Gremlins, uh, if I may, uh, let's do some uh, introductions, yeah, and I, if I you also, will. Yeah, go ahead and do the introduction. I have a clip that, for the very beginning of the movie, okay, so if, cool. you, if you want to talk uh, well, about this. I, I did want to um, jump... Before we jump into the movie, I do have a, a little tidbit about our director, our writer, and some of our cast. Go right ahead. So, uh, okay, yeah, Gremlins is a 1984 American comedy horror film written by uh, Chris Columbus and directed by Joe Dante. <coughs> the story follows a young man who receives a strange creature called a mogwai as a pet, uh, which then spawns other creatures who transform into small, destructive, evil monsters. It draws uh, on legends of folkloric mischievous creatures that cause malfunctions known as gremlins from the British Royal Air Force back in World War II. Uh, the film stars Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates, with Howie Mandel providing the voice of Gizmo, the main Mogwai character. Steven Spielberg was the film's executive producer, with the film being produced by Michael Finnell and released by Warner Brothers. Yes. Yes. It's Amblin, right? You said Amblin? Uh, Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, that's yeah. uh, the production company. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, Joe Dante um, is pretty well known for other movies, including um, Inner Space, The Howling from uh, 1981, Small Soldiers from 98. I, I love that, that movie. Well. Yeah, that was quite good. Uh, Piranha, the OG Piranha, The Explorers with... Um, Wait, I'm going to get to that in a second. I'll talk about that. There, uh, there is a small soldier, soldiers kind of reference in this movie, which I'll talk about later. In a way, that's true, yeah. Uh, he also worked on The Twilight Zone with uh, uh, George Miller, Spielberg, and John Landis. Uh, Matinee from 93, which I think we we should visit. That's a John Goodman jam. Uh, he also directed a number of episodes for the children's television show Erie, Indiana, which I vaguely recollect that from was when like, I was a kid. It was like a Nickelodeon thing. It was it was on around the same time as like... Was it not f- on Fox Kids? 
I thought it was Nickelodeon. I thought it was Nickelodeon because I I remember watching it around the same time as uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, it had a similar feel. Yeah, the kid was on the bicycle. It was like a kid's X-Files kind of way with a bunch of spooky shit. Uh, He also directed The Burbs. I uh, love the Burbs. I just watched yeah. that a couple couple months ago. And he also, uh, his most recent movie is called Nightmare Cinema, which came out last year. And I, I, I'm going to go check that out. He was the executive producer also on The Phantom, which was our very first episode. Mm-hmm. And he damn near directed that one. Uh, he's also had a few acting credits as well. He appeared as just the, uh, the character credited as just Kid in the movie Cannonball, which is a precursor to Cannonball Run with, uh, um, what's his name, from Kung Fu? David Carradine, mm. uh, and he also appeared uh, as a face on the cutting room floor in the movie Oscar from 91 with Sylvester Stallone. God, that movie's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so Joseph James Dante Jr. is an American film director, producer, editor, and actor. Dante was born in uh, Morristown, New Jersey, uh, but grew up li- in Livingston. Dante's father, Joe Sr., was a pro golfer, but Jr. wanted to be a cartoonist. So Dante began his career working under the tutelage of low-budget maven Roger Corman, uh, who did notable uh, works such as Death Race 2000, Rock and Roll High School, Galaxy of Terror, Forbidden World, and Piranha, uh, who also provided work for future directors Francis Ford Coppola and James Cameron. Dante's first movie was the movie Orgy in 1968, which was a supercut of film clips, commercials, and trailers put together by Dante when he was an undergraduate at Philadelphia College of Art. At its longest, the film ran for seven and a half hours and is said to be the analog prelude to mashups and supercuts one sees nowadays on digital platforms. Yeah, yeah. Aside from Gremlins, Dante worked with Spielberg on a comedy adventure, Inner Space, in which Dennis Quaid is injected after being miniaturized it's into a the human movie. body. Yeah. A movie spoofed later by Rick and Morty. Um, is 85 Movie Explorers that marks the, uh, also marks the film debuts of River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke. Dante's films are known for their references to other movies and for their special effects. And Dante even cites among his biggest influences Roger Corman, Chuck Jones, Frank Tashlin, James Whale, and Jean Cocteau. As well as his deep love for the film Hell's a Poppin', from which he frequently borrows jokes because of uh, how difficult it is to see the film in the U.S. And with that, we can begin our journey into this wacky, wacky movie. This wonderful movie. Uh, it starts off uh, pretty much as a narration. You mm-hmm. meet uh, the dad. Um, What's the dad's name again? Dad is Randall. Um, the character's name. Yeah, I'm sorry. Pins- Randall, Randall Peltzer. Peltzer. Played by a one Hoyt Axton, who uh, unfortunately died 20 years ago. But he was also a really well-known American folk music singer-songwriter. Gotcha. And here is the beginning of the movie. Friends, let me introduce myself. Peltzer's the name, Rand Peltzer. That's me there on the corner. I'm an inventor, and I have a story to tell. Yeah, I know, who hadn't got a story? Well, nobody's got a story like this one. Nobody. It all started here in Chinatown. I was hitting the shops trying to move a little merchandise, maybe find a present for my kid. I tried this one place. So he's like following a, a little Chinese boy, That's right. and they he kind of takes him down this uh, this basement area in this Chinatown that he's in, and he's kind of like a traveling salesman. 
He, he, he again, he's an inventor. Right. He tries to peddle his uh, his little inventions to shopkeepers and stuff. Yeah, and so he goes down there and uh, he's kind of looking for knickknacks, something for Christmas for his kid, for his son Billy. That's right. And uh, he ends up finding this thing that's called a mogwai. That's and, right. And uh, a, uh, a a mogwai is uh, in Cantonese means uh, devil or demon or gremlin. Uh, and the Mandarin is uh, Mugui. <laughs> yeah, Mugui. And uh, he, the, one of the things that he's trying to sell, because you see a bunch of his different inventions, yeah. uh, Mr. Peltzer's inventions, it's called the Bathroom Buddy. That's right. And it's it's like a Swiss army knife of bathroom appliances. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got a toothbrush and all this stuff. And, and things tend to go wrong. Like, at one point, I think the uh, it, like, squirts out fucking um, toothpaste, toothpaste like all, all over him. Yeah. yeah. Isn't and, that why... They ended up naming him Gizmo because this guy creates gizmos. Yeah, that's, okay. that's why he did that. And uh, the 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 shopkeeper says, you know, the Mogwai not for sale, not for sale. Right. And you know, he's kind of like, hey, I thought you said everything was for sale. Um, so as they're leaving, the grandson of the Chinese shop owner grabs the Mogwai and sells it to the dude uh, for like two hundred bucks or something like that. And he yeah. uh, he gives them some rules and regulations on how to care for the Mogwai. And I have a little clip of that right here. Okay. What about your grandfather? Look at what he said. He's crazy. We need the money. Now, come on. You want it or not? I want it. Look, mister. There's three rules you've got to follow. Yeah, what kind of rules? Keep him out of the light. He hates bright light, especially sunlight. It'll kill him. And keep him away from water. Don't get him wet. But the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, never, never feed him after midnight. You got it? Sure, kid, whatever you say. Hey, listen, thanks. So also, um, with this scene near the beginning uh, in Chinatown, um, when Randall's walking up to the store, you can see in the background there's a car with its hood up and the smoke coming out. Yeah, he walks right past it, and it's, it's a gremlin. It's right? an AMC gremlin, yeah. yeah. AMC gremlin. <laughs> I always like that. Even the logo on the gas cap bears a striking resemblance to, to, these, the gremlins, to yeah. these creatures. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and it just cuts straight to Christmas time in a town called Kingston Falls, which is a direct reference of Bedford Falls uh, from It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of little gems here that... Uh, Joe Dante and then Chris Columbus and all those people kind of put in here for for this film. It's true. Uh, back to just just a, a brief thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Key Lock or Key Luke rather is the guy who played the shopkeeper. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff, hasn't he? Uh, well, I didn't I didn't find that as much as I did this he information about. Um, he he was in his late seventies when they filmed this, but he looked so damn young that they had to age him up even with with more makeup. <laughs> Because he just had real smooth skin and, and he looks young as hell. The Chinese life expectancy. I guess man. so, bro. Don't they live the longest? Or people in like Okinawa or some something shit? like that? Um, they, you meet Billy. This is kind of our our main uh, protagonist of the film, mm -hmm. and Billy's trying to go to work. He has like this VW bug that kind of won't start right, yeah, type he of can't thing. Get him to start. Um, he, you know, there's music, and I like the transition because when it's through town, it's playing all this Christmassy music, right? And then when he starts the car, the the Christmas music transfers to his radio, so it's like a nice like oh, audio sync. I didn't so even I was I like, didn't even notice pretty that. Pretty cool. Um, the neighbor says hi, and the neighbor's name was Mister Futterman. Uh, Futterman. Mr. Murray Futterman, played by Dick Miller. Yeah, Futterman's kind of this old kind of crazy guy. He says hi, all that jazz. Billy decides to go to work. He works at a bank. T he's a bank teller mm -hmm. at a bank. Um, and as they're well, working, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, be mm -hmm. before he goes to work or I guess when, when you open up on the town, you see 
Rockin' Ricky Rialto's billboard, yeah, which is a it bears the same like logo and sort of setup as Indiana Jones. It is Indiana Jones. It's got the right. it's got the it's him dressed up like Indiana Jones. It's yeah. got the same font, you know, exactly. And, all that and and that's just a, a a little tip of the hat homage to Spielberg, who is the producer on this one. Uh, Billy goes to work as a bank teller, and we meet uh, someone named Mrs. Deagle. And uh, Miss Deagle is kind of like the Ebenezer Scrooge, yeah. Mr. Potter type of character. She pretty much owns a lot of the stuff in town. You know, she's kind of like the the wealthy woman. She's sort of like a like a slumlord or a landlord because yeah, like this she's, woman's it's like Christmas time and this woman's giving pay, her a bunch of and yeah. She's being yeah, a bitch about it. She's being a real cunt. Um, yeah, and uh, this isn't where she breaks the snowman, right? Uh, I uh, yeah. Well, she's got the snowman head. And uh, and as Billy's heading into work, like you see, you meet a bunch of the townspeople. There's even like a theater marquee. Yeah, this has a pretty interesting title. What's the that theater? has? Uh, well, it has two titles. They're showing a movie called A Boy's Life and Watch the Skies, both of which were working titles for Spielberg's other movies, E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, respectively. So yeah, there's a. I, I love how many little things there are in this. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Deagle kind of she just cuts right in line. You know, like yeah, doesn't even yeah, wait she in fucking doesn't line. give a shit. Goes right up to Billy's like your dog broke this. Now, Billy's dog is like tied up underneath his teller window, I guess. Yeah, he's like hanging out underneath him. Yeah. Then the dog jumps up and starts barking at Deagle. She shatters like this porcelain. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a lawn ornament. Yeah, right? it's like a snowman head or something. Yeah. It's just she's doing weird. exactly what like Elmira Gulch does at the beginning of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, she's she, like, I came here to get the dog and I'm going to make it. She, she even oh. says, you know, I'll get you, you know. Yeah. I'll get you and she your dog. She just leaves out the, and your little dog, too. Yeah. Um, Take it downtown and make sure it's destroyed. It, then it cuts to uh, Billy in a bar drawing, um, and we meet uh, Judge Reinhold. Right, and this is also a cameo. Like, right before Judge Reinhold's character walks up, he's talking to an older gentleman, uh, and they're, like, trading insults. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Chuck Jones himself, the oh, old nice. legendary Warner Brothers animator. That's amazing. Yeah, dude. Uh, they're in the bar, and we meet a, 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 a girl named Kate, um, who is actually Phoebe Cates, the actress. That's right, yeah. And she, she works as a teller at the bank, but she's also moonlighting as a waitress in the bar to make some more money on the side. Um, mm-hmm. Then it just cuts to the house. Um, it's like breakfast time. That's right. And uh, he, Billy's trying to make some eggs, and there's another invention. Um, it's like a, the it's, egg cracker It's like an egg cracker thing, and it just goes horribly horribly wrong it just doesn't work um yeah mom and the mom oh yeah i remember the mom's like cutting onions watching tv and she she's like not even watching i was waiting for her to cut her hand off yeah yeah she wasn't paying any attention to her hand no she's just watching television and then dad comes home with uh the gift and he's like we can't wait till christmas you gotta open this now and when they open it you meet gizmo gizmo the mogwai Mogwai, who is voiced by the one the only howie mandel that's right he does these weird little uh vocalizations uh and and he doesn't do the singing voice but he he kind of actually i think the if i'm right here yeah we're about to get to the the playing so when uh yeah we'll get to the i got the howie thing here but actually right when right when he opens the case the dog Kind of like is startled and growls at it, and that's a genuine reaction from the dog because oh, he, really? he just was see, such just, a lifelike puppet. You can figure it out. Yeah, um, they they meet the Mogwai and they, the dad names it Gizmo, and he tells Billy about the three rules. You know, don't get it wet, don't expose the sunlight, don't feed it after dark, right, or after midnight. Uh, Gizmo and Billy, they're kind of up in his. He lives in like the attic, I guess, like an attic so. room type of thing, and they're playing with a keyboard. And I guess you know the Mogwai knows how to play the keyboard because he's like the. Mama. 
Yeah, he starts singing, and they actually they even play the same tune from Close Encounters on the. Oh, ca- is that, is that what the, I was wondering if that's what they yeah. were doing? The do do do. And uh, <laughs> I guess Howie Mandel also like recorded all of Gizmo's lines phonetically uh, for foreign dubs of the movie, where localized dialogue and in jokes helped make it more you know popular throughout the world. He doesn't really talk that much, and he says like a couple of words. Yeah. but it's mostly just like, like yeah, exactly. So they could <laughs> yeah. they could easily like you know fix the dubs or whatever in, in other uh, markets. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, Gizmo cuts his. Uh, oh yeah, they, remember they tried to take a photo at the beginning. Yeah, and it, it kind of freaks him out because yeah, of the bright lights. The bright light. Um, Gizmo cuts his head at one point. Uh, he falls off like the desk or something. Yeah, he like cuts his, his head or something. Yeah, Billy uses a and uh, he like. He dresses his wound. Dresses his wound. They go to sleep. Uh, the next morning, Billy's up in the morning, and his, one of his dad's inventions is like a juicer, an orange juicer. Yeah. And, like, he puts it, the orange thing, and it just sprays everywhere. Like, it explodes. It's it's like arterial spray orange juice. And I think it's Joe ridiculous. Dante or Chris Columbus, somebody still has the juicer. That's true. Yeah, like, he just has it in his house. Just kept on the prop. Yeah. Just There's like, the I prop. guess he has, like, a, a garage where he keeps... All these props that are just left over from all of the That's different cool. productions. Why not? I think they even filmed something in the garage. I, di- I didn't get all that down because there was so much to wade through with getting this. Dude, there's this so much trivia. Like, like I, th- uh, I think it, it took fish. Like we, we literally sat here and it took about two and a half hours just to just get, get everything in getting order. everything that I think was most pertinent because there's a lot of stuff that I decided to leave out. Uh, and even one of the 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 whole rule about um, darkness or yeah. light, yeah, the- was just so that they could obscure or obfuscate rather the special effects within the movie it was an old trick they used to do in sci-fi movies where they kept it in the dark so you couldn't see so you can see certain things the yeah, little, yeah. little things that allow Wires for it. Or yeah exactly like yeah. yeah um we also meet a character uh cory feldman is in this movie that's right uh very young cory feldman this is really young was this, this like is, this is pre- pre-goonies was it also before he, he wasn't he in friday the 13th like part two I think or so. One. It was like in the it, woods. Like I don't think he was in one. Yeah, yeah I think it was part like two, the second three, one. something like that. Um, Feldman shows up to deliver the Christmas tree, and you kind of find out that like Feldman is friends with Billy. <laughs> Wasn't he the kid in the tree? Yeah, at the yeah. At, at one point at the beginning of the movie, you kind of see the Christmas tree lot, and he's dressed as a tree, like yeah. in a real tree, like in a, in a costume. It's kind of silly. And although when you see like uh, bits and pieces of uh, of Billy's room, he has a uh, like a rolled up poster of the Twilight Zone movie. You see a Road Warrior poster on the wall, and he even has it. It's it's hard to see. It's all it's not clearly visible, but he has four magic moves to winning golf by Joe Dante Senior. Is on his night. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the he ends up uh, Billy. I don't. Do you remember Corey Feldman's character's name? Uh, yeah. It's um, it's Fontaine. Fontaine. Something, something Fontaine. Okay. Um, Gizmo is watching a Clark Gable racing Pete. movie. It's Pete, Pete Fontaine. Yeah. So Pete uh, goes and meets Gizmo. Gizmo's watching a, a movie that's uh has Clark Gable in it. It's uh, called To Please a Lady. To Please a Lady. And it's like a racing movie, you know, like from back of the day. So Gizmo's really getting into it. He's having a good time. It's all cute. Um, and then at one point, Gizmo knocks over a like a, or like a, it's Feldman's character. Who oh, Feldman like knocks over like a, a vase or something. It's a jar with like paintbrushes. Paintbrushes it. got water in it, right? Because it, there was a there was a subplot that was kind of cut out where Billy's character was a, an, an aspiring ar- artist or you, cartoonist. You kind of see him drawing at one point yeah. later on. Yeah, um, yeah. He, uh, Gizmo gets wet and his, he screams and his body starts bubbling and these little fur balls go popping off his back. Yeah, they start popping everywhere, and then they morph into. Tiny little gizmos, tiny little mogwai, little mogwai, and they're all kind of 
they're not like Gizmo, who's kind of kind of cool and, right. and just a you know awesome little pet. Right, they're kind of rambunctious. They're rambunctious. They like have different personalities. There's one that we see. He uh, Billy names it Stripe because it has a big white stripe through right. on top of its head. And he's like, "Oh my god!" So he tells the dad about it, and the dad's like, "Oh my god, we can make a lot of money off of this," you know? Yeah, he goes down to the workshop, and you can see them like he's trying to fix the bathroom, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He adds the uh, the shaving the the sh- the the razor to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, and then it's nighttime. One of the Mogwai hangs up the dog, like yeah, gets, strings the dog up in Christmas lights outside. Yeah, he's tangled but, up out in the porch. And yeah, and next morning I wrote down coffee sludge because there's like that the coffee, coffee maker, maker another Peltzer, another Peltzer original. And it's just like, bleh. yeah, it looked real strong. A uh, Billy ends up taking one of the uh, Mogwai to his science teacher. Right, and it was Mr. Hansen, right? I think so. Yeah, I, I did I, you get I, the actor's name because he looks really familiar. I did not. Didn't that's all right. Uh, so, and then they, they add water right in front of them. Multiply what? Like one more? Yeah, I think they produce like one, one, one more. Because he like puts a little droplet on it. Yeah, and then he pops he out. Makes another one. So he keeps that one to study. And yeah, then gives the other and one then back. And then Billy goes him. back with Ma, uh, Gizmo. Was it, it wasn't Gizmo that he brought. I thought it was just one of the other ones. Did he? I don't know. I couldn't tell him about it. Might have been Stripe or something like that. I'm not quite sure. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, the Chief Sure Come was. Um, you, uh, we go back into the bar. Right. And Mr. Futterman is like shit faced. Yeah, I should have got that scene, and I didn't. Where, oh, where he, he talks actually about starts the talking about like what he knows gremlins are because he, I guess he, this character served in the war. Yeah, and he's also a mechanic, and he hates anything foreign. So he's like fucking foreign parts. Yeah, and foreign. You know, and my he's like watch these gremlins, gremlins, they get into the machines and they ruin mm. them. Yeah, and that's uh, in keeping with the like the legend of where the 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 gremlin name came from, and I think it was originally coined by Roald Dahl. Right? Yeah, because uh, Roald Dahl has a short story about gremlins. It's called Gremlin Love. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. it's just, they're these weird creatures that cause mass chaos. That's right, like yeah. That. And I think uh, the, the Royal Air Force had a phrase called gremlins also. They would call certain planes. It may and have, like in that. fact, come from Roald Dahl's books because a lot, this was like, uh, Roald Dahl was writing his kids' books like like pre-World War II. Yeah, I think so. So um, yeah. um, a lot of them were probably familiar with his works, just you know, just the popularity of it, and they're just carried over into, you know, in the, the common lexicon. Uh, Billy ends up asking Kate on a date. Mm-hmm. And this is where Kate gives her whole, like, I hate Christmas speech. Uh, n- not the full one. Not the full one? Yeah, she just she just says she hates Christmas. But this is, are you sure? Yeah, she, she doesn't talk about the uh, her dad yet. I'm pretty sure. No, this. I think this is definitely the scene because they're walking and, and she says, I hate Christmas. He's like, well, how can you hate Christmas? She's like, oh, well, if I say I, I hate any other holiday, no one bats an eye. But as soon as I say I hate Christmas and and then like they get to her stoop and she's standing on the on the front in the front and then she tells him the story. Yeah, I guess I didn't write it down. Yeah. So she tells us it's kind of a it's a it's a, it's an homage to some of these like fifth 1950s really bad movies and it's supposed to be taken as a joke that's kind of what i read on a certain trivia thing uh, yeah there was it was sort of ambiguous as to whether or not it was supposed to be funny or sad yeah it was kind of weird on how that and that's sort of like the in keeping with the movies like kind of theme where it mixes black comedy and the backdrop of christmas time yeah her dad disappears in the story and you know her mom and her mom and her can't find him, and then 
a week later they're smelling this weird thing yeah. and you find out that the dad tried to be Santa Claus dressed up as Santa Claus went through the chimney broke his neck got stuck in the chimney <laughs> and died and died and you know Sheesh. she just remembers her dad being pulled out in a Santa outfit so she's like I hate Christmas there was a uh, Spielberg actually wanted Dante to cut that part um, because it was deemed too ambiguous and uh, but Dante refused and he left it in the movie only because Spielberg said okay well it's your movie so yeah do whatever you want and it turns out that, that leaving it in, I think, helps her character. It's a little more of an arc. arc. Yeah. And, it, and it also, uh, I think it fits the, the tone of the whole movie because it's absurd. Uh, the teacher ends up taking some, uh, Mr. Hansen takes some of the Mogwai blood to study it. Um, and then that night, it's in Billy's room, the the little Mogwai creatures are like, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry. They're, they're hungry, but he looks at his clock and it says 1140. Right. So he feeds them some like chicken wings. Right. It's like raw chicken wings. I think they were just like cold leftover chicken wings. Yeah. He didn't bother to reheat. So he fed him that. And then it cuts to the same night. It, it shows the teacher mm-hmm. and he's eating a sandwich and the clock behind him says 2.20 a.m. Right. And uh, he sets a sandwich down and doesn't realize it when he leaves the, the caged mogwai that he has at the, the school eats the sandwich. That's right. And when so, uh, well, when Billy, if I may, when yeah, Billy go goes downstairs to get the food, uh, on the fridge there's a smiley face sticker. Yeah, and that's a reference to something, right? That's a reference to his 81 movie, The Howling. Uh, and also, the movie Billy is watching prior to feeding them is uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers <laughs> from the 50s. Excellent stuff. In the morning, they wake up and they realize that uh, the mogwai that he fed have now turned into like these alien type eggs. Yeah, they're all like pods. Yeah, and it's very reminiscent of the alien pod from the movie Alien. Absolutely. You know, the the, the face fucking things, whatever they're called, the face huggers. Yeah, the face huggers, yeah. (laughs) Um, And he wakes up the egg pods and then he realizes that um, his clock was broken. So he fed them after midnight. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? The teacher has something. I wrote something down. The uh, well, he he don't don't they go back over to? Well, he talks to the he, he goes back to Mister Hanson and he's like, oh well, what you're seeing is them in their pupils. Yeah, pupils age, and he's like, because uh, he's having to cut open the cage. He kept the mogwai in because it's like because it was like uh, overgrown and yeah. it, was, you know, it was kind of uh, putting pressure on on the cage. Uh, we realize the dad is not home. He's at a inventors convention, and we have a nice little uh, little part of that was. He was taking the dog out of out of town with him because of the woman wanting to kill, to kill the dog. The dog. Yeah, so yeah. he's like, "I'll I'll take him over to whomever's house and your grandmother's or whatever, just to keep him safe." And he's at an inventor's convention. And we get a little some little trivia nuggets in here if you want to talk about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, immediately, well, one of the things about Hoyt Axton was he he damn near ad libbed nearly every line. Really? Yeah. He he stuck to the basic outline, but he. Uh, he definitely um, improvised quite a bit, uh, and in the background of this scene, you can see a couple people around him. You have uh, you have Robbie the robot from uh, Forbidden Planet, and I think that same robot costume was also used in Lost in Space. For uh, uh, or no, I'm sorry, it's not Lost that's, in that's, Space. That's that's not it's not Lost in Space. No. It, was, it was reused again somewhere else, but famously Robbie the robot, and he even says some of the lines from that movie. Uh, behind him is he, he's like talking on the phone at one point. The yeah. Robot. Yeah. 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 Or he's like behind him, like saying things to him while he's on the phone. It's just like what uh, Steven Spielberg's in it. You can see him. Steven Spielberg scoots by on a, in a motorized a chair. Uh, and then Jerry Goldsmith, the film's uh, composer, 
is standing just behind him on his on his right, our right, his left. Uh, and uh, interestingly about Jerry Goldsmith, he did a lot of uh, music. I'll talk about him near the end, but he he also did the very famous fanfare opening for the Universal logo. Bum, oh, bum, bum, is that him? Bum, 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 yeah. Dum, dum. yeah, that's him. And behind all of them in the background, you see the prop from the movie Time Machine. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it cuts back to uh, the other end of the phone line. And when it jumps back to uh, uh, Randall talking on the phone, you can see like a whiff, uh, like oh, a whispy puff of smoke. Yeah, people are looking around. Because like... it disappeared <laughs> and went, it went somewhere. I was at a, I was at a, car, a bag of carton convention and someone built that. Built the, the time, time machine, machine? Like yeah. A, oh, that's and cool. it drove around and stuff. It was really cool. Did was, you like? Did you like the remake with Guy Pierce? It was okay. I thought it was all right too. It, was, it wasn't bad. I wouldn't. It's not a movie I'd watch every day or anything. Um, and then uh, we go back to that. The the eggs start pulsing, like pulsating. Yeah. Um, and uh, Billy's of course at work. The eggs start hatching in the house and the school. And uh, Gizmo is just like hiding because he sees these things hatching and what's going to come out, and he's all scared and shit. Right, and uh, it, it, while it's while it's like pulsating and and, and, yeah, and the, thumping, the school is watching a like a the, yeah, they're watching video like, uh, or something like about hearts, about hearts and the blood, uh, like the circulatory system. Yeah, and that was a movie called uh, Hemo the Magnificent, written and directed by Frank Capra. Yeah, because uh, uh, also featured in this movie because of all the references to it. it's a wonderful. Life. Yeah, at one point you see it on the television. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher starts looking for the gremlin because he realizes that the the egg hatch. He's kicking all the students out. He's like, "Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go," and he's searching for it in the dark. He doesn't even turn on the light. Yeah, which is weird. And he's I think like, that's, hey, that's just the style that the filmmakers wanted, but it it also defies logic. Like, yeah, it's fucking flip some yeah, lights on. If you want to try to find something, you're gonna turn the light on. Um. Yeah. He he realizes there's something under his desk, so he grabs like a candy bar, and he's like, "Got candy bar for you." Right. Puts his hand under the desk, and of course, and snags him. And snags then uh, him. I think it's when Billy arrives that he discovers that he did. Yeah. Does Billy arrive just then? It's after. Uh, yeah. Billy Billy finds Mister Hanson under the desk with a needle in his ass. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Because what, he like pump some air into him and give him an embolism. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking because remember he drew the blood out. Yeah. He from him. It was a happy about that. Um. Then yeah, so he, uh, Billy sees the gremlin thing and is running around, and the first the first real look of the gremlin we get is Billy goes into the nurse's office, and oh, yeah, and it pops out because he like cut himself or something like that, mm-hmm. and and the gremlin pops out of the cabinet. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And that's our first real look at a gremlin, right. which is kind of fun. Uh, the all the while the other hatchlings are are popping out of their pods within Billy's room. Yeah, and uh, and. We see that they strung up Gizmo on a dartboard. And Wasn't that done? Was that done in the house or in the bar scene? No, that's in the house. Is it? Okay. Yeah, because uh, Gizmo's in the backpack with the bar scene. Apparently, yeah. that was the filmmakers put that in there because of how frustrating it was to work with the Gizmo puppets. Yeah, so they and did they, that as a like, homage. Yeah, we know you want to do this to it. Yeah. Um, this is where mom kind of she doesn't she, she can sense like super mom she can sense something's <laughs> wrong she doesn't she hasn't seen one of these things yet but she does right. she knows something's up so mom straight up grabs a fucking kitchen knife like a and just well, she she goes upstairs and discovers the hatchings the leftovers well, she has a knife with her right oh yeah, yeah. she's kind of like walking around like what's going yeah, on like, in something's my house. not right she's totally knows something's up um oh, is this where one of them says phone home caca uh, that is yeah, almost we're almost there. 
Yeah, yeah mom grabs a knife, uh, like I said, super sense. Uh, Gizmo oh. falls in the laundry suit shoot that's right. and gets that's right. snagged. And then that's when Billy's trying to call um, his mom saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, that's when uh, one of the gremlins cuts the phone lines and says, phone home, caca. Yeah. And uh, mom, mom starts uh, starts taking them out commando style. Like, uh, well, it's, it's, it's got this like slasher film tension at first. Well, when she's upstairs and notices the pods have been opened, uh, the record player starts playing. Do you hear what I? Hear? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And she kind of yeah, she kind of comes down, turns it off, and then yeah, mom, uh, they attack her. Mom throws one in a blender. She catches it in her mixing bowl. And yeah, just flips it on, and he fucking everywhere and she stabs like stabs a second another one. one she microwaves one she microwaves the third one yeah and mom don't take no shit i was like killing spree mother that's right yeah uh i was like go mom yeah and then she goes into like the the living room and one of the stockings is moving above the, the fireplace that's right and she kind of slashes it and when it falls out it's just uh it's like a robotic stocking stuff like toy. attack her from within the christmas tree. yeah the christmas tree comes alive type of thing and jumps at her and then billy shows up and there's kind of this running gag every time they open that go through the house there's these two swords on the wall and yeah. one keeps falling every time they every open, time the door. They open the door so he like snags it he snags it and, and ends up cutting the head off of uh one of the other ones right so basically they kill every single gremlin except for one in and that, that was, house uh, was that stripe stripe yes yeah. and, he, and he's the kind of he's coined as the leader of the gremlins because right. he's the smartest one right and uh stripe escapes uh billy Finds Gizmo in the laundry chute, grabs him. Um, the dad's. Then we cut to the dad again, where he's trying to call the house, but nothing's right. working. And that's when the robot is behind him talking. Oh yeah, to he's him. like, <laughs> I can't remember what the lines he was saying, but he was just repeating, uh, just uh, like old lines from the movies he was in. Uh, Billy starts tracking Stripe, and it goes yeah. to a YMCA. That's right. And uh, when they go into the Y, you know, like the alarm goes off, the fire alarm, and. They get into a little scuffle, and basically Stripe falls into the pool or jumps into the the pool, mm-hmm. and and it triggers their their sort of reproductive uh, you things. Know, um, uh, yeah, it's just the the becomes like a hundred thousand. So like a type bunch of, of them are born out of this pool. Uh, what's your what did we discover about this particular pool? It was in a, it was in a set somewhere in a ranch that they used for multiple movies. Oh, uh, it was what was it? It and was. I think Joe Dante ended up building Phil Hartman's house in that movie over top that spot. Yeah, but what movie was it? I can't remember. Uh, Small soldiers. Small soldiers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah well, the, the, the yeah, it's that one, and then there's also a reference at the very end, which I could say it now when they're at the oh very, the, the Kingston Falls thing. Yeah, no, when they're in the um, uh, the hardware store. Yeah, you know when the the blade goes. Like oh yeah, that, the buzzsaw. The buzzsaw in Small Soldiers that happens in the oh. in the house, and it's really cool how they oh, hit my mic. How they design that. Oh okay, it's really neat. So There's it's just also, kind of a uh, fun little thing that was like, oh, buzzsaw through the wall. Type also, thing. Uh, Stripe and Gizmo are originally supposed to be the same character, um, but this changed when Spielberg insisted that one of them be a good guy with whom the audience could identify. Gotcha. So that we have a good and a bad instead of it being like this sort of Jekyll and Hyde thing. Billy goes to the police department and they don't believe him. It's kind of just like a, a sheriff and a deputy. And the deputy, um, a lot of people would know who this is, Jonathan Banks. Yep. And he was he's really popular for being in Breaking Bad. Yeah, he, he played Mike Airman Trout. Mike, yeah. And he's also been in Beverly Hills Cop. He always plays these little side characters. Yeah. And you, uh, could, you could look up his body of work. He's got a, a lot of. He's, he's a good a supporting actor. He's, yeah. He's always he's fantastic. And he he plays kind of a joking kind of dude. Um, and as as they're talking to the police, you see a horde of gremlins walking yes. down the road. 
and um, the and then I think they go to the Futterman's house, don't they? Because the Futterman's yeah. like the they're trying to watch TV. Mister Futterman's like, why isn't the stupid foreign? Blah, they start, blah, yeah, blah. they started climbing all over his antenna, and he even says we should have got a zenith because they were still being produced at the time. Yeah, uh, and there's even a um, because oh, this is when you start to see multiple uh, gremlins, as you mentioned, they were like swarming down the streets. Um, Zach Galligan actually recounted in an interview that. Um, the movie was, or I'm sorry, the, the movie was made when there was no CGI, so nearly all of the creatures were like animatronics or puppets, and each one of them cost between thirty to forty thousand dollars a piece. So at the end of the day, when everyone was leaving the lot, security went through and checked everyone's trunks to make sure so that nobody was one. leaving one and you know selling it somewhere. Yeah, so they, cool. they were they were pretty expensive. Uh, the the Futtermans go outside to figure out what's going on, and uh, his tractor plow kind of comes alive yeah because one of the gremlins is in it there's plow- like five of them in the cab of it yeah plow through his house and end up running mr futterman and his wife over so that's, that's right. two people dead or three people dead i think the body count in this is four yeah i think the official one is four there's 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 a small little callback to this scene at the very end of the movie but we'll talk about that when we get there yep and uh they steal the plow. Um, I, I just kind of wrote down hijinks around town. Yeah, the they're just running just, amok everywhere. Yeah, they're changing uh, traffic lights. This is when you see two civilians get their hands, or one of them get his hand caught in a mailbox because they were, like, hiding out inside. Yeah, well, there's, like, a priest that walks up. Yeah. And he's like, hmm. You could visibly see his fake-ass hair. Yeah. Like, you could see his actual then, hair underneath the fucking wig. He's like, oh, I'm not going to put my mail in there. And then another dude walks up and then reaches his hand in it. It's kind of a weird scene. Yeah, it is. Uh, there was even like a note that the stu- one of the few notes the studio sent to Spielberg and Dante was that there were too many uh, gremlins. And then Spielberg just hit him back with saying, well, why don't we just cut them all out and call the movie People? <laughs> <laughs> I love Spielberg. Me too. Um, the police get a call that, you know, there's a bunch of crazy stuff happening. Um, and then it cuts to Mrs. Deagle's residence. Oh, yes. This and, is probably my favorite scene. Oh, it's so good. And it, you kind of, you see her coming down the stairs in one of those, like, uh, what is it? Like the, the stair jazzy. I, I don't know what it's called. It's I just stair I call it a stair chair. Yeah, stair chair. For old people that can yeah, they just there. She clearly doesn't need it. She's just... Lives just in this lap of luxury, and she's she's a pain in the ass. Uh, she, she she's a cat lady. She has a bunch of cats, and they're all named after money. So one of them is called Dollar Bill. One yeah. of them is like Drachma, Peso, Peso, Ruble. A, yeah, there's a bunch of different stuff. Um, and she hears like a knock on the door, and she opens it up, and, and there's a bunch of carolers. But the carolers are the gremlins, like, rah, rah, rah. and she's like, oh my god, they're here for me. They're here <laughs> they're for here me. For They've me. come, and. Uh, she tries to get on her on her um her stair climber, but one of the gremlins is already in the house messing with the the the, the, the stair like yeah the, fucking the chair, with the uh, the, the hydraulics yeah and she sits on it and it it goes really fast up the stairs and launches her out a window it is hilarious <laughs> and the police are driving she's like she like Mrs. comes Eagle. out the window ass first and like eats shit she's definitely dead oh it was like it was like she was launched by a trebuchet or something through the window um Deagle's real estate sign out front the yeah, hours of operation one. read from ten thirty a.m. to 11.15 a.m., Monday through Friday, 45, <laughs> 45 minutes. minutes. <laughs> There's one more. I think I got one more piece on, on this scene here. Um, Edward Arnold can be seen um, on a portrait on our wall. I guess he was a stand-in for a Mr. Deagle who uh, I think makes her a widow. Uh, and Edward Arnold was um, 
a famous uh, horror icon actor who did a lot of movies back in the in the day, and uh, is the state given permission to use? It's his also image? A, it's also a Capra reference on that. Oh, too, is it, was he in Capra's movie? He was in uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh, okay, with uh, old played, Jimmy. Yeah, Stewart. he played last name was like Taylor or something. Jim, uh, Jim uh, Taylor. Uh, I think uh, uh, well, well, uh, uh, Apple Pie. Apple Pie. <laughs> now listen here, this is my friend Harvey. Um, my friend Harvey. My friend Harvey. I like that. That's good. Uh, the police car sees, of course, Miss Deagle fly out, and uh, Stripe is underneath the car and cuts the brake line to the police vehicle. Yep. And uh, they kind of see everything. And it's funny because uh, the the police vehicle they can't stop. They can't. You know, the brakes aren't working, and the the police vehicle flips. But when it turns over on its back, yeah. you can see the actual. Um, it's like a wedge. The wedge, that yeah. They put on the front of a car so it, so it can slip. stunt. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you can see it. Didn't perfectly. even bother taking it out. Well, this is before you could remove things in post. You know, there was no uh, digital. Um, yeah, so uh, at this point, Billy gets back into his car mm-hmm. and, it, and it starts up right away. It actually away. gets it started, yeah. And uh, while they're driving, because he's trying to go find uh, Kate or something. Yeah, well, we, she, she's still she's at the bar. She's at the bar, but we hear this, um, we hear this radio. Uh, rockin', yeah, rockin', rockin Ricky. Ricky Rialto. And uh, the, this is a fun little clip. I just kind of liked what he said in it, and here it is. You're on with Rockin' Ricky. Go. Hi, Rockin' Ricky. My name's Pete. There's these little green guys with big teeth running around town. Ricky. Hey, kids, this is Christmas, not Halloween. Listen, gang, Rockin' Ricky's getting fed up with all this Orson Welles crap, so cool it, will ya? What's that? Kitty, what's that back there? Some of Rockin' Ricky fans? Hey, you're not Rockin' Ricky fans? <laughs> I, I just I love that when he says you know this is none of that war the you know that Orson, Orson Welles stuff and then you know he gets eaten on the radio yeah. which is Orson Welles like a callback to War of the Worlds where yeah. people believed Did that the there was an alien yeah. invasion and stuff like that so I think it's kind of fun I yeah, I love War of the Worlds too um, there's also a uh, the dad's at the gas oh, yeah, yeah. the, the dad's no, at no, a no, gas had, station that was what, exactly what I was gonna say yeah. dad's trying to peddle his wares to the gas station attendant yeah he what does he what does he sell him he sells him the smokeless ashtray smokeless ashtray that's right. And that guy's really famous. The uh, who's the, the gas station attendant? Yeah, he did. Some, oh, you that is. On that? I did. He is. Oh man. Uh, he he was an older actor who at the time was like just kind of in his retirement age. I I'd have to bring it up. I, I didn't get it all. I'm That's fine. Yeah, but the the actor has been in a bunch of stuff. Some other cameo. There's there's so many cameos in this movie. It's hard to like um, spot them all. We cut to uh, Kate uh, is at the bar and she's serving the gremlins. Yeah, and she's overrun. Yeah. With, with gremlins, like she's trying to pour drinks and light cigarettes, and they're and they're just running amok. Yeah, like they're just drinking and eating. I think they're playing a poker game at one point. Almost like the dogs playing poker. Yeah, in and that the, old portrait. There's like the new there's painting. the noir gremlin that's in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, and just sitting there chilling with a bottle of Jack. A dame came into my room the other yeah. day, and this yeah. dame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was one playing the. I love that what Phil Hartman. Got? What is it? It's a, he. He does the thing, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Yeah, and he's like, um, her legs were taller than a tree. You could see a boy shimming up it for a coconut. <laughs> 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 There's um, one playing uh, uh, the 1983 arcade Star, the Star Wars. Wars game. Yep. And then one of them jumps behind the bar, and he's wearing like a little mini trench coat, and he like flashes Kate. That's right, yeah. Even uh, even one of her... Uh, um, yeah, I wrote down Noir Gremlin. Uh, <clears throat> one of them's cheating at the poker. He's got the yeah. he's got playing cards behind, behind his, his ears. ears. 
Um, you got a flash of gremlin, poker gremlin. A flash of dance gremlin. Flash dance gremlin, <laughs> that's right, noir gremlin. Uh, Stripe even kills the cheating gremlin with a fucking revolver. Yeah, shoots him. There's a ski mask gremlin. There's one gremlin that's playing with, like, hand puppets. It's just, uh, it's outrageous. There's one, uh, where is it? I'm sorry. Uh, okay, one of one of Phoebe Cates' screams in this is actually genuine. Because during one of the takes, a fucking giant cockroach like crawls out from underneath uh, like a, a part of the set and scares her. So they kept they kept their uh, real scream in the movie. Uh, Kate figures out that that light bothers them, so she starts she grabs a camera and starts taking pictures. Uh-huh. Uh, Billy shows up to rescue Kate, kind of. Um, yeah, well, they get yeah he gets back outside in his fucking car, decides not to start again. Yeah, so then at, they have to. At one point, as they're leaving, uh, when Kate goes out the door, there's like a mugger gremlin that's wearing like a ski mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's, he's like, like yeah, and he tries to shoot her, but misses. Um, they go to the bank. I don't know why they well, go to the th- bank. This shot, too. Bef- uh, well, I guess because he thought maybe it would be safe, a safe something. place yeah. to go. Because they're running through town, and literally the whole place oh, it's just destroyed. is just chaos. Like, you can see silhouettes and shadows and the upper windows of the buildings and the uh, just people everywhere being terrorized. And wasn't this is the same town set that was used in Back to the Future, It right? is. It's the back lot at Universal. Okay. Uh, it's uh, They film up, but there's so many movies. That you can identify filmed. it easily by the theater that's The in theater town. that's there, yeah, and the way it goes down because uh, Marty McFly wrecks into that theater at one point, yeah. and you, you, you can just tell that street is yeah. really, really prominent. Eagle-eyed viewers who are fans of both franchises would, would spot it immediately. Um... No, see, this well, is they go to the bank, when they right? go to the bank. This is where Kate tells the dead dad, dad story. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I wrote okay. It down. So right. either way, she tells that story of why she hates Christmas. Blah blah blah. Oh, you're right. There it yeah. is. I'm, I didn't even like it's think right. to look ahead of my own notes. Uh, but the, yeah, that happens. So there was a deleted scene with Judge Reinhold, right? Yeah, Judge Reinhold. I think that's why they maybe went to the bank, like because because there was that, supposed that, to be some interaction with him, probably because there was a deleted scene where Judge is hiding from all the chaos. His character Gerald is hiding from all the all the butt fuckery that the uh, gremlins are causing around town by hiding within the bank vault and then kind of like losing his mind while he's in there. Uh, but that was cut out for whatever reason, probably because it just didn't you know make sense to the, the essential plot. And uh, it's it, it's in there that Kate tells her story. Um, yeah, the town's deserted, and then they they go back out. Yeah, they go back out, and, and there's fucking uh, nobody around. Everything's deserted. But they start hearing some stuff from the movie theater, which is playing Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason they they the filmmakers chose to uh, include Snow White in this movie was because upon Snow White's release in 1937, it was a major like holiday movie event. Oh, uh, was it? Okay. So yeah, it was a little little nod to that. Uh, the gremlins are basically watching the movie. Um, I think at one point you see a gremlin wearing Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah, you certainly do. Um, so it's just, and they're all having a great time. Uh, and then they, Billy and Kate go backstage, like behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. There's even like gremlins up with uh, fucking with the film projector. Yeah, one of them's like raiding the snacks and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stripe leaves to go get some more snacks. That's right. Because he's like, I want some candy. So Stripe leaves. Uh, Billy ends up turning on like the the gas main mm-hmm. and kind of creates his own little fuse type of deal. Yeah, he cool floods the place with the, this gas, and then there's uh, like they light something on fire, but there's already like open flames uh, somewhere. They, they lit like a like rags that kind of okay, and then the th- basically the movie theater fucking blows up. Yeah, they blow the hell out of all of the extra gremlins, all, yeah. all of the ones. Uh, somehow they all got within that building. They weren't just off doing their own shit i don't I, know if they have like a hive mind movie night yeah. all in the movie i like that yeah it would be like a hive mind you think so table. is that how that works maybe hmm. um i don't think it's ever explored oh in the entire time uh, gizmo is in billy's book bag 
just letting you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Stripe, uh, he, he goes across the street to the uh, kind of convenience store. He goes well, to the department, department store, store and he enters candy. in like the candy part first yeah. and he's hanging out in there and, and they... Uh, uh, I think Billy like tools up, grabs a like a like baseball a bat, bat, baseball bat, and he starts Kate's, hunting. Kate's going to find a light switch to turn on the lights. Yeah, that's right. And so he's he's trying to stalk Stripe throughout the uh, the store to yeah. He, to take him at down. one point, like his face appears on TVs. Stripe. Yeah. And then uh, at one point, there's an e there's a massive another ET reference where Stripe is hiding in within the, the dolls within the dolls, and in front of him is a little ET doll. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also Looney Tune dolls on either side of him. And Joe Dante ended up directing the Looney Tunes back in action movie with Brendan Fraser. The back in action one. Yeah. Not not Space Jam. The one uh, with Brendan Fraser. I I, is that the one back in action? I think so. Brendan I Fraser. I didn't see that one. I didn't either. I don't fucking care about that movie. <laughs> um. Yeah. At one point, you see Stripe riding a tricycle. So I thought maybe that was like a uh, a little shining, a little reference, shining reference, or or the Omen, or There's something. There's so many like, like tricycle, subtle, really, yeah. really subtle little nods, and that's what Dante does. Is he likes to. You know, uh, throw in little stripe, stripe at one point starts shooting baseballs at Billy, and that's gonna hurt. Oh, I know he's got a pitching machine. It hits yeah. him square in the back. Yeah, then he, uh, he gets a, Billy gets an arrow to the arm at one point. He's got a fucking crossbow. Uh, Gizmo gets loose, like he gets mm-hmm. out of the bag, and he sees a, a light shade, like the like the skylights, yeah. and stuff. And uh, at this point in time. Stripe has a chainsaw and he's trying to hack Billy's face off. This was uh, from Joe Dante and uh, like Texas uh, Zach, Chainsaw. Zach Galligan. Yeah. Like in, in, it wasn't in the script. They put it in there as a Texas Chainsaw reference. So. Nice. Uh, Gizmo finds a Corvette, a uh, little purple convertible Corvette, <laughs> which is kind of funny. He starts driving around and he's. It's basically like the movie he was watching the the Clark Gable film. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Yeah, so that's wow. why he's like. Um, Kate turns on the lights. And uh, Stripe's kind of like, ah, but Stripe notices that there's a, uh, like, there's a, not an outdoorsy section, but there's, a, like, a plant section. And it yeah, has uh, a, like a garden section. Garden section, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And it has a, uh, like, a it's water. Got, like, lawn equipment. It's got a fountain. It's got a fountain. So he sees the water. And, He's like, and, ooh, and gotta he, re-up. And then he lo- also looks to the left, and there's a gun. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the case. It's yeah. like a revolver. And he's like, all right, I'll just he's take like, that. This looks like I could use it. Didn't he already have one? Like, he had one in the bar. I, yeah. I expect he probably, you know, Ditched lost it. it. Who yeah. knows? Uh, at this point in time, the dad is coming into town. And uh, when, when he's driving through the town, he's kind of looking around like, what the hell's going on? And yeah. on the radio, you can hear like uh, Kingston Falls or blah, 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 blah. Uh, the Marines are standing by with water hoses. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> Bad oh, idea. that's not going to work. Uh, Stripe gets into the water. Um, and he, you know, starts bubbling, like, like sticks his finger, finger right into the, the yeah, top, like, right? And he's like, all right. And then uh, Gizmo like fucking ramps his Corvette, and he pulls the strings, opens the shades, and it just melts. Yeah, it kind of kills Stripe because he melts down. He starts melting from the direct sunlight, and it was very, I think, reminiscent to Evil Dead. It was very Evil Dead. It was also um, the, uh, it was the way the Raiders corpse. of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, the way the corpse melts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those um, are those are that's such a cool scene in Raiders. And the dad comes into the department store 
And he is not phased by anything whatsoever. He's not impressed or surprised by I, any of. This I think shit. it's because he's supposed to be that noir character, that narrator. Of, totally, I didn't know. even think about that. He had like the fedora and everything. Yeah, and, like, the just, trench coat. And you know, let me tell you a story about when I was. But you uh, never yeah. heard a story like this one. Um, yeah, the dad walks in. There's, there's no big deal. Um, everything's fine. And there is a clip on the news. I didn't grab that, but when they're when they're back at home, the news is like they blame it on hysteria. Yeah, basically. they said a mass hysteria. There's even all uh, if if I think near near the end as well in the script Murray Futterman was killed and it seems as though he was, um, but that's uh, I think they found it to be a little too harsh because of the manner of their death. So during the news report, uh, if you're if you listen closely, you can hear the reporter whose name is Lou Landers, which is an in joke to refer to the uh, prolific 1930s and 50s B movie director Lou Landers. He says that he's going to the hospital to talk to Mr. Futterman. Oh, uh, okay. So he survives. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Chinese shop owner from the very beginning, the old man, shows up. Uh, he comes by the house and he grabs Gizmo. And he's like, you know. Like, I'm taking him back, but I also want your smokeless ashtray. Yeah. Well, he gives it to him. But at one point, he's like, you let him watch television. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> what are you teaching him? He's like, like most things uh, that were gifts of nature, you and your society ruin them. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little nugget there. And uh, he's, he speaks Mogwai, the old Chinese man. And he's like, wait, he opens you can it, understand him? Yeah, he opens it up. And of course. Gizmo comes out for that nice little cute button at the end where he's like, bye, bye, Billy. Yeah, bye, yeah. Billy. Um, and yeah, the dad gives him the smokeless ashtray as like a parting gift. And he's like, oh, actually, I was at a gas station and some man was telling me about this. He's like, I heard it was a hot commodity or something like yeah. that. So it was like Pelcher is going to get something nice now because yeah. he's doing well. Um, as the old Chinese man is walking down the street, you kind of see this map painting. A lovely, a lovely map painting. <laughs> and uh, it kind of zooms out, and uh, this is kind of the end of the movie, so it's a narration at the beginning, narration. At the we, beginning. Get a, we get a little piece of Jerry Goldsmith's uh, music, too. Yeah, right? yeah, at the very end, so here it is. Well, that's a story. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz, or your washing machine blows up, or your video recorder conks out... Before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. Yeah, and that's kind of the end of the movie, um, which is kind of fun. Do you want me to talk about some of the critical response? Yeah, or? hit us with that. I got I got a few other little a few bits to bits. throw your way. So Ro- Roger Ebert, he liked he approved of this movie. Okay, um, he was. Yeah, I know. You know. who cares about his stuff? <laughs> but I uh, gave it three out of four stars, declaring it not to only be fun but also a sly series of send ups. You know, it's like it had a good parody film mm-hmm. story. Um, Gene Siskel gave it three out of three and a half stars out of four. Wickedly funny, slightly slick ride, uh, most original work. But um, Variety declared it make room for adorable gremlins. You know, they they thought they they thought they're gonna have a Furby type of thing on their hands, like right. making sales. I don't, Which is they, funny because they ended up inspiring the Furby. Yeah, itself. but I'm like, yeah. did they actually sell any Mogwai figures or plushes or there anything? was there was a lot of uh, I want I well I think I've seen a lot of like T-shirts, merchandise, and stuff since that. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I guess there there might have been a toy line. I've seen like plushies of. 
Uh, uh, especially Pro. after Gremlins I think two. two really yeah. pushed it. Uh, Leonard Maltin disapproved of the film. He's uh, he made it clear in his remarks on Entertainment Tonight. Uh, he called the film icky and gross. <laughs> uh, he later he later wrote that despite being it set in a picture postcard town and the blending feel of it's a wonderful life um, with that of the blob. So he's like it's a wonderful life meets the blob. Um, the film is uh, negated by two vivid violence and mayhem, giving the film two out of four stars. Um, which is funny because Malton actually made a cameo appearance in Gremlins 2, repeating his criticisms on the original film as an in-joke after being throttled by creatures. They eat them in the second one. Oh, wow. So you can see him get attacked in the <laughs> film. So I'm like, I think that's kind of fun. Uh, he gave the second one three out of four. Basically, it was a, a lot of people thought it was just a lot of violence um, right. in the film. It was not good for children because people took their kids to go see it. Um it was, I mean, critically, I like it. I think it's a great movie. I think it's fine. Like, uh, I I think creature features like this are few and far between anymore. I know that this one probably inspired movies like Critters and Ghoulies uh, and other little things that tried to, like, hop on this, you know, sort of a bandwagon, if you will. Um, and despite, like, being both, like, critically and commercially successful, the film was met with a lot of unfavorable criticism, as you just mentioned, for being, you know, slightly more violent. Uh, in certain parts, uh, but I think the movie balances the black comedy with the Christmas time setting quite well. There was even a uh, a push uh, pushback for the scene where Kate tells that story, uh, but eventually, you know, Dante got to keep it in there. Um, and this also, uh, this film in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom um, received similar complaints. So Spielberg uh, pressed the MPAA to alter its rating uh, system uh, to include PG-13 which it did within two months of the film's release. So this was still just a PG. Mm. And on uh, July 1st, 1984 is when you got your, it was when officially the rating was introduced. Um, and the first movie to have that rating was Red Dawn, which also came out later that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, with all the, the rating controversy, in 89, uh, Tennessee state law set the uh, minimum age to view uh, an R-rated film without an adult to 18 instead of 17 and categorized the admission of minors to X-rated films as a misdemeanor. Um, but the statute remained in force until 2013 um, when it was ruled a uh, violation of the First Amendment. So that became... Uh, that changed. <clears throat> bum, 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 bum. Uh, this won a Saturn Award for it, Best Horror oh, really? Film. Oh, yep. cool. It won uh, Best Horror, Best Director won on that. Uh, Polly Holiday won... Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about The Mom. Is that her name, Polly Holiday? I think so. Uh, the mom, yeah, Polly Holiday. The mother in this, um, you would. Uh, she was in uh, Back to the Future. As yeah, uh, no, wait, wait, hold on a second. Lorraine Baines. Uh, no, I'm thinking that's not her name. It's, no, Polly Hol- Francis Lee McCain. No, Polly Holiday is not is the uh, Deagle. The, yeah, I think it's Deagle. Her name's Francis McCain or Lee. Francis Lee McCain was uh, also played Lorraine Baines' mom. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tim Burton was actually almost selected to direct this, but at the time, Burton hadn't directed a full feature length film. So he was, you know, there was passed on. Uh, an early attempt at having monkeys play the gremlins was abandoned after a test monkey panicked from wearing the gremlin head. <laughs> um, Columbus's original version uh, was a little more violent, and it had the gremlins killing the dog and decapitating mom and rolling her head down the stairs. Uh, Dante decided against that because he wanted to keep the film family-oriented, which I think was... Uh, Smart. There was also an original scene uh, in the script where the gremlins would attack at a McDonald's and eat the customers instead of burgers. Yeah. Um, this movie was also the last to be shot on Eastman Color 125T film, 
because it was discontinued a year after that. Uh, the term gremlin we already talked about from Mr. Dwall. Uh, Gizmo inspired the Furbies. Uh, you did mention the Judge Reinhold thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Totally. And also, um, for fans of you know alternative music and music in general, the the Scottish band Mogwai took their name from this movie. That's uh, pretty obvious. And Mogwai is a wonderful band. Can't talk about them enough. Definitely go check out their album, Mr. Beast. Um, there's even sort of a, a weird, uh, it, the movie doesn't like want to recognize its own rules in that the gremlin spent a whole hell of a lot of time in snow. Yeah. Which is water really gets you wet. You ever been spent any time in snow? It doesn't stay, uh, it doesn't stay snowy once you so come in contact. They should take it over the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's even a, uh, a novelization. There's a novelization of this as well as, uh, one of Chris Columbus's next movies where he did, uh. Uh, young Sherlock Holmes, or he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Young Sherlock Holmes, there's a um, there's a mention of an attack by something with razor sharp claws and vicious teeth. This could be a reference to the Gremlins, and also an inventor within that story, Wax Flatter, uh, hallucinates that Gremlins sabotage his ornithopter, which is a, a definite in joke to this movie. <laughs> and what I love about that is that ornithopter is the main mode of travel that they use. In the Dune story, <laughs> it's a I'm out. It's a wing beat, a wing beat craft. I'm gonna mic drop this. <laughs> God damn it! I you saved it just for the end, didn't you? I you did. I sure did. So you were right about the uh, merchandising, toys and collectibles, with its uh, commercial themes, particularly perceived cuteness of the character Gizmo. Gremlins became the center of considerable merchandising. Uh, due to this, it became part of a rising trend in film, uh, which had received a boost from Spielberg's E.T. Manufacturers, like uh, including LJN, uh, produced versions of Gizmo as dolls or stuffed animals, the latter of which became a popular uh, high-demand toy during the holiday season of 1984. Oh, of course. Uh, both Gizmo and the Gremlins were mass-produced as action figures, and uh, Tops printed trading cards based on the film as well. Hey, uh, cards? Cards, yeah. Uh, well, they put out, there was like Marvel cards yeah, and stuff, I too. used to have all the Marvel cards back in yeah. the day, the flares and um, stuff. A product placement deal uh, and with fast food chain Hardee's also led to a series of, of five book and cassette 45 record adaptations of the film's story. Uh, starting in the early 2000s, companies such as June Planning and the National Entertainment Collectibles Association produced all new Gremlins toys and collectibles. In 2017, Trick or Treat Studios began producing official Gremlins life-size puppets of Stripe and Gizmo. And in May 2019, Nika which is, they make really cool toys. Yeah, yeah. Unveiled their uh, Christmas 2019 collectible, which features two gremlins uh, singing carols. Uh, there was a novelization, but who gives a H? Um, there were a number of video games for both the Atari 2600 and the 5200, uh, the Apple II, the Commodore 64, and the IBM PC. Uh, in the 2000s, there was a, a Gremlins Unleashed video game for the Game Boy Color. Uh and then there was a oh, oh Gremlins also uh, was part of a team pack released for Lego Dimensions uh, on November 18, 2016. And this also includes Phoebe Cates reprising her role as Kate Berenger for the first time in a long time, oh, doing yeah. any kind of acting, is being this character again for the video game that, that came out. Yeah, the, the second one came out a while after this one, didn't it? Um, Gremlins Two, the new batch, uh, was wasn't released until 1990. Yeah, I was about to say, and it's that good. one is highly more satirical about oh, like yeah. Hollywood sequels rather than being, you know, just sort of a tongue in cheek like black. Horror no, because it, yeah, in the second one you have like Gizmo putting on the Rambo outfit. Yeah, and, um, it, it yeah. becomes way more like par- parodic, <laughs> if you will. 
the film not only spawned a sequel and in advertising uh, in an advert advertisement <laughs> for British Telecom, but it is uh, believed to be the inspiration for several unrelated films about small monsters, including critters, ghoulies, troll, hobgoblins, and munchies. And I, I think that just about uh, does it for. You can rent this movie on Amazon yeah. Prime for I think a dollar ninety nine. I own the DVD. Um, it's a good watch. Uh, I give. I'm giving this uh, five ducks. I'm gonna give it five ducks too. I think there's there's a lot to it, it, peel it, apart from it, it the is movie. An, it's an eighties classic film. Yeah. Um, if you're a film fan, there's, there's, a, lot there's a lot of stuff. You, yeah, and that, that's why I'm doing the five. Just because things in the background, things yeah. they say, just little things like the trivia is just unbelievable. The stuff. That they yeah, I, I'm I'm like like pouring over all this stuff, coming through to make sure I didn't leave anything out, and and I probably most definitely did. But that's that's the the you know nature the testament that, yeah. to the nature of how rich. It uh, is. It is uh, both in terms of uh, its filmmaking style, what it what it packs in, uh, and Joe Dante is is fantastic. You know, in general. So um, yeah, yeah about, I think that's about all I have next week. So you guys are going to be hearing this a uh, couple the sat the Saturday before Christmas. Yeah. Um. So we we wish you guys a good Christmas and holidays and all that jazz. And uh, we're being very generous. We're giving you two Christmas episodes. Yeah, we are. So the. <laughs> the, the next one so you'll have a Saturday after Christmas uh, we're doing a movie called Rare Exports yes um, that came out in 2010 2010 something like that um, it is available to rent on Amazon Prime indeed so I highly recommend it if you have Prime go watch it uh, I think I introduced Beryl to it the last time I was at his, at his, at his house mm-hmm. and watching his reaction to my explanation of it versus him seeing the trailer it. he's like hold on <laughs> yeah uh, this, this movie looks fucking weird it's why it's weird and wacky i highly recommend it um after rare exports we'll be doing our um our voted film in january this would be yeah Death to smoochie mm-hmm. um other than that i think uh we wish again wish you all you quacks out there uh, a great holiday and we'll merry quackmas merry quack 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 quackmas do it know. Do it. All right. Be safe out there. Have fun. Merry Christmas. Chris Mahana Kwanzaa, whatever your uh, <laughs> preferred method of holidaying is. Christmas.